Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer, really low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beastman Family Podcast, and got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Ryan Rossi, and he does a great job in the great city of Philadelphia doing the Philadelphia City Cast, powered by Bet Rivers and part of the Beastman Family of Podcasts. He also does some great work over there with Sports Radio WIP, one of the best, I guess you call it, local stations in the country as. They do a little bit of everything Philadelphia sports talk. And in the second segment, going to be talking with them about the landscape of the American League East, how the Mets injuries might affect them moving forward, and obviously the Philadelphia Phillies and what we're getting in this series with they and the Mets. So going to have a great chat with Ryan in the second segment. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. We've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, Airball Fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, find that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Saw a pair of double letters on Saturday and the Red Sox. They wanted splitting with the Baltimore Orioles game number one. Went to Boston by a count of 5-3 to three as Bobby Dahlbeck. His pinch hit home run really put the team over the top. Second home run of the season as Nathan Eovaldi. Pretty much out of necessity, he wound up throwing a complete game. Gives up three runs, 
two of which were earned over the course of those nine innings. He did allow Robin Citrinos to go yard second home run season that came in the fifth inning, but was able to recover from there. And for the Orioles, didn't necessarily get the length that they wanted out of Jordan Lyles, giving up three runs over the course of four and a third innings. Keegan Aiken gave up that home run. Two double back, two and a third innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then Brian Baker gives you four outside the bullpen. And then the rookies came to the forefront in game two. And the Boston Red Sox able to get it done by a count of four to two as Denny Reyes wound up getting his first career start, giving up one run in three and two-thirds innings in the wholesale approach from there. Ore Lopez, along with Felix Batista, combined for three innings in which Lopez wound up giving up an unearned run. CNL Perez, scoreless inning, and Joey Kribel far outside the bullpen as Ore Mateo. Now 13 stolen bases. That ties Julio Rodriguez for the league lead, and Rudan Odor winds up being able to get his fourth home run season as it was the first career start of Josh Winkowski. He was a part of that Andrew Benintendi deal, gave up that home run, and just really got rocked in general. Four runs in total, give it up over the course of three innings. Encouraging sign for the the Red Sox is that you had six different guys. Phillips Valdez, Matt Barnes, Chick Diekman, Tyler Danish, Ryan Brazier, Austin Davis, all from there give you a scroll of sending out the bullpen, but damage had been done by there, so wound up seeing a split ski on that one. Saw a split ski with regards to the other doubleheader as well as you wound up seeing a split with regards to both the over and the under as well. Nationals take game one 13-7 as Ross and Gomber. He got gombered up. He got four outs and he gave up eight runs, all of which were earned. Ashton Gadu has to come in for long relief, giving up three runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings, with the Nationals being able to get a home run off of him. Victor Robles, first home run season. And then Rosell Adams, a little bit later, third home run season. That one's coming off of Robert Stevenson, who wound up giving up two runs over the course of an inning. Ulysses Jacin, two scoreless innings, and Carlos Aceves, a scoreless inning. And for the Rockies, I mean, they did wind up going three of ten with men in scoring position and got to Adam Sanchez. He gave up eight runs, Sanchez did. Seven in total over the course of three and two-thirds innings, including home run to C.J. Krohn that he surrendered 13th of the season. From there, bullpen was terrific. Carl Edwards Jr. for outside the bullpen, and Erasmo Ramirez and Victor Arano both give you two scoreless innings. And then the trend of Johan Edo not being able to get it continued as the Colorado Rockies wind up being able to get a 3-2 win as they strand 11 men on base, but Chad Cool, he was cool in this one. Six and a third innings, giving up two runs as he did allow a home run to Yadio Hernandez, fourth home run season, but bullpen from there does their part as they were able to get a scoreless inning out of Daniel Bard and Tyler Kinley. Five outside the bullpen as Adon gives up two unearned runs in six innings. He was really let down by the fielding in this one. Kyle Finnegan, he winds up giving up a run in an inning. He takes a loss in Steve Cichek. Two scoreless innings, but Mikel Franco along with Victor Robles committing errors wound up dooming the Washington Nationals in that one. You are not doomed by too much if you wind up digging the St. Louis Cardinals as they were able to get the job done by kind of 8-3 to three against the Milwaukee Brewers. For the Brewer, Victor Carantini was able to go deep off of TJ McFarlane's second home run season and then the Woodford, Jake Woodford, allowed a home run to Kessinera his fifth of the season as you wound up having Matthew Libertor, the rookie, do a very solid job here for the Cardinals. Goes five scoreless innings. Woodford gives up that one home run over the course of three innings. And then TJ McFarlane does give up the Victor Carantini shot. Two runs in total over the course of an inning. But the Cardinals just keep on rolling with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Gorman, who wound up driving in all eight runs in this one. Gorman gets his first home run season off of Adrian. Don't call me Dookie Hauser. And then, well, Mr. Hauser winds up giving one up to Paul Goldschmidt. 
His tenth of the season, Frowser gives up eight runs, five of which were earned over the course of four innings. Bullpen from there was solid Miguel Sanchez, two scoreless innings, and then Hobie Milner and Trevor Kelly both give you a scoreless setting. But for the Cardinals, very solid win there, and they're playing right around 60% of their home games over the total. The Kansas City Royals all of a sudden have been playing quite a few overs, seven to three. They wind up taking down the Minnesota Twins, and for the Kansas City Royals, this is a bunch that has now been able to score at least five runs, and now five out of their last six games, as they did wind up getting no home runs in this one, but four of 11 with Ben in scoring position and Brady Singer starting to look a little bit better for the Royals. They give up three runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, including home run to Trevor Larnich's second of the season, but by and large, relatively solid for the Twins. They did strand 11 men on base as they had their chances late. Don Coleman, two scoreless settings. Josh Shamon, scoreless setting. Gabe Spear was able to give you a out out of the bullpen and then for the Minnesota Twins. Chris Archer still has not went past the fourth inning in a start this year. Four innings, giving up five runs, three of which were earned. You wound up having two and a third innings from one. Manaya giving up two runs in the process. And then Tyler Duffy, he was able to deliver a scoreless setting along Giovanni Moran, who wound up getting five outs out of the bullpen. So that was a little bit rough for the Twins. This was not rough for the Seattle Mariners. 6-0. to zero. They rough up the Astros, as Jose Arikidi. Not long for this one. Four and two-thirds innings, giving up 12 hits, six runs, five of which were earned. No shortage of contact here for Seattle. And Kyle Lewis, rookie of the year in 2020. Second home run season as for Seattle. Steady Eddie in regards to this game for their pitching. Logan Gilbert, seven scoreless innings. And then Penn Murphy and Anthony Bacevich were both able to give you a scoreless inning. And the Mariners wind up winning 6-0 while leaving 13 men on base, by the way, as you did wind up having Phil Mayton and Blake Taylor both give you a scoreless inning. And Brian Abreu, one and a third inning scoreless as the Astros currently own the best ERA in the bullpen of any team out there in the big leagues. The New York Metropolitans, they wind up taking down the Philadelphia Phillies in convincing fashion. 8-2 to the final is Zach Eflin. He was pretty Eflin awful, giving up seven runs over the course of six innings, including home run to Jeff McNeil. Third home run season from there, you did wind up having James Orwood give up a run in two-thirds of an inning, doing what he does best with his 8-16 ERA. From there, Sir Anthony Dominguez gives you an out of the bullpen. Connor Brogdon, scoreless setting it for the Mets. Tywin Walker, relatively solid start here. Two runs given up over the course of five innings. And then you wind up having Adam Adovino, Seth Lugo, both give you a scoreless setting. And Colin Holderman, two scoreless for the Mets to be able to get it done in this one. You did wind up seeing the LA Dodgers go on the road. And they don't cover the run line, but they do wind up getting it done against the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 3-2 to two as for this Diamondbacks team, they and so many others have had a tough time being able to get runs against the LA Dodgers. As the Dodgers, they have not allowed more than four runs in a game, and now I believe their last 11 as going for the Dodgers in this one. Tony Gonsolin, solid start, two runs given up over the course of six innings. Justin Brule, Alex Vizia, Danny Hudson, I'll give you a scoreless inning. And for the Dodgers, Mookie Betts looking like an MVP candidate and probably the front runner at this point. 14th home run season goes deep off of Merrill Kelly, who didn't wind up having his A-plus stuff in this one. Gives up that home run, all three runs in total over the course of five innings. Kyle Nelson, Sean Poppin, Noe Ramirez, and Joe Manat Tipley. I'll give you a scroll of setting, but for the Diamondbacks, not a lot doing on offense. They go 1-7 of seven with men in scoring position. You did wind up having the San Francisco Giants drop another one to the Cincinnati Reds, who all of a sudden they have won 13 and 8 in their last 21 games. So don't call it a comeback, but here come the Reds, 3 to 2. They take down the San Francisco Giants as Alex Wood got the wood laid to him. He gave up three runs over the course of five and a third innings, including a home run to Kyle Farmer, fourth home run season for Farmer. Now, three home runs, I believe, in the last week 
for the Giants. Just a lot of blown opportunities here. 11 men stranded on base three of 16 is what they want to go with men in scoring position as Evan Longoria did wind up going deep off of Luis Sessa. Third home run season, Sessa gives up that run in an inning and Vladimir Gutierrez entered in this game with right around an 80 RA. Five innings giving up one run as a starter. Alexis Diaz, a scoreless inning, and then Ross Detweiler, who's like 500 years old at this point. He and Tony Santian combined for two scoreless innings and for the Giants. Bullpen looked a little bit better in this game. Dominique Leon won in a third inning scoreless and Tyler Rogers scoreless inning, but not a lot of offense from the San Francisco Giants. So it's been a little bit touch and go for them and been a little bit touch and go recently for the Miami Marlins, but they get a W 4-1. to They take down the Atlanta Braves as they wound up getting a home run off the bat of Miguel Rojas. Third home run season as for Atlanta, they were hoping for a little bit more length out of Tucker Davidson. A little bit of a tough loss here. Gives up one run in five innings. Pulled after 77 pitches. From there, Darren O'Day gives up that solemn run in his inning of work. Cal McHugh gives up two runs in an inning. And Dylan Lee rounds out the final two innings scoreless. But nothing doing against Sandy Alcantara. Eight innings. Punches out 14. Gives up one run along the way before Cole Solzer comes in and is able to get the save. So Alcantara looking very solid. And I know that's someone that I wound up talking to on the Greg Peterson experience. Jason Weingarten. Take a look at him for signing on Futures. And... No, not looking too bad there. Tampa Bay Rays, they certainly weren't looking too bad on Saturday either. 3-1, to one, they went and taking down the New York Yankees as Garrett Cole. Not a bad start in this one. Gives up one run over the course of six innings, but the Yankees dealing with ailments out there in the bullpen as Lucas Lukey, Michael King. They both come in, they combine for two innings, both gave up a run apiece. And for the Yankees, not a lot of offense in this one as Corey Kluber. He winds up giving up one run in six innings, and then J.P. Fireeyes and Jason Adam, Colin Pooch, I'll give you a scroll of settings. All three of those relievers, buck 20 ERA or lower, leaving this game. So they have been rock solid with that regard. Speaking of being rock solid, that's what the Chicago Cubs were on Saturday. They wind up taking down the Chicago White Sox in the battle for Chicago by a count of 5-1. to one. Keegan Thompson continues to impress. His ERA is now at a buck 58. Five innings gives up one run. That one run, a solo home run going deep for the White Sox. Jake Berger is fourth home run season, but Scott Efforts, Rowan Wick, Michael Givens, Daniel Robertson. I'll give you a scoreless inning, and for the Cubs, no home runs in this one, but they were able to get to Johnny Cueto. Six and two-thirds innings. Cueto gives up nine hits, five runs in total before Bennett Sosa, and Matt Foster both give the team a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Jose Ruiz a scoreless inning, but White Sox now 22-23, and 23, so got to be a little bit concerned about them moving forward. No concern about the Cleveland Guardians on Saturday as they wind up taking down the Detroit Tigres by a count of 8-1 to one for the Guardians. Wound up getting a home run off the bat of Jose Ramirez. 12th home run season. Now he leads the major leagues with 48 RBI. That in support of Shane Bieber. Fever is down with regards to the strikeout numbers. Just five punch-outs in this one, but eight innings gives up one run, so very solid there. Emmanuel Classe cleans up that final inning, and for the Detroit Tigers, Alex Fajardo. Not a bad start in this one. Two runs given up over the course of six innings, but a Tigers team that entered into Saturday with the second-best bullpen here in the big leagues, it wound up really letting them down. You wound up having Drew Carlton give up two runs in two innings. Jacob Barnes, he winds up raising his ERA to a 5.51, giving up three runs while getting just one out before you do wind up having a run in two outs given up by Jason Foley and for the Detroit Tigers. This is a bunch that they're averaging right around 2.7-ish runs per game. That is by far the lowest number out there in the big leagues and the A's. They have been a downtrodden offense and ding-dong, the witch is dead. Marcus Simeon gets his first home run of the season and it was in grand fashion for an 11-4 Texas Rangers win. Simeon's grand slam came off of Jacob Lemoyne. 
Not a good day for him as Zach Logue wound up giving up a pair of home runs before that. Eight Elise Garcia, seventh home run season. Corey Seager's ninth for Logie gives up those two home runs. Four runs in total, of course, of two and a third innings. Lemoyne comes in, gives up that grand salami to Marcus Simeon. Five runs in total, give it up while getting seven outs. Adam Clareric gives up two runs over the course of one and a third innings before the long reliever, Austin Prude, is able to come in, give you three scoreless innings. And for the A's, they wound up going one of 12 men in scoring position. You did wind up having Ramon Laureano be able to get a home run off of Taylor Earn first of the season. And for Earn, he has been giving up all sorts of contact this season. Dodged quite a few bullets here. Gave up eight hits in six innings, but only three runs, two of which were earned. Brett Martin from there gives up a run and an inning before you wind up having Albert Abreu along Garrett Richards. Both give you a scoreless inning. And then out west, you did wind up seeing the Pittsburgh Pirates being able to make a rally, and they wind up taking down the San Diego Padres as it was Cabrian Hayes who wound up being able to belt a three-run homer that wound up putting the Pirates over the top as you did wind up having coming into this game Taylor Rogers, I believe not blow a safe. Gave up those three runs over the course of his inning, giving up a home run. And for Joe Musgrove, another six-plus inning start. He's won at least six innings in all nine of his starts. Did wind up having a little bit of danger here, but gave up just one run as Robert Suarez, Lewis Garcia both gave you a scoreless setting in for the Padres. Going into the ninth inning, they had stranded 16 men on base, so clearly a lot of missed opportunities. JT Brubaker. Gives up an unearned run over the course of five innings. His third error of the season. We've got to find a way to be able to take these runs to these relievers. But David Bernard was able to close things out. And once again, another Pirates win out of the bullpen. 17 other 19 wins have come out of the pen. You wind up having Mr. Peters and Dylan Peters give up a run in one and a third innings with Kurt Stratton. Pair of outs out of the bullpen at Ente Banda, a scoreless setting. And then in Los Angeles, the Angels wind up falling to the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of six to five. And the Blue Jays. They've now taken the first three games of this series as they wind up rallying against an Angels bullpen that not looking too good right now. Michael Lorenzen was able to give you six and two-thirds innings. Did wind up giving up three runs, but then Kyle Bearclaw gives up a pair of runs while getting just one out. And then Aaron Loop, he was out of the loop, giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning before Archie Bradley gives you an out of the bullpen. And how about this name? Jansen Junk comes in into the ninth inning for a scoreless inning. So the Angels wound up throwing Junk out onto the field as... He also wound up leaving 13 men on base. Mike Trout, speaking of 13s, he wound up getting his 13th home run season off of Julian Merriweather. And, well, the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen not necessarily looking too terrific either. Yusei Kikuchi had to dodge bullets all night, giving up nine hits in five innings, but only two runs from there. David Phelps, a scoreless inning. Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, both give you a scoreless inning as well. And then Merriweather gives up that home run. Didn't get a single out, but gave up that bomb. Jordan Romano in the ninth inning. Things got airy for him. He winds up only getting a pair of outs, left the bases loaded, and Ross Rippling was able to get out of it. So if you take a look at what we're all getting in Major League Baseball right now, we saw quite a few unders on Saturday, but by and large, we have been seeing a little bit more of a trend to the over. If you take a look at the last seven days, we have been able to get right around 52-ish percent of games to go over the total and overall for the season. You have had favorites do relatively solidly. It's been that way over the last seven days as well as favorites. 407 and 279, that is a 59.3% clip. But among those 407 wins, only 297 have been on the run line. And that means that 110 of these straight-up wins have been by approximately one run. And if you're looking at home favorites, even more demonstrative with regards to percentage. Home favorites, 258 and 184, but they have failed to cover the run line in now 83 of these games as you've seen home favorites go 175 and 269 when laying that run in half and overall unders 
hitting at a 53.3% clip, 346 unders to 303 overs, and I mentioned it over the last seven days. We have been seeing a couple more overs, 45 overs to 43 unders, so right around a 51% clip, and in the last seven days, underdogs, 42 and 50, so not too shabby there, and you know what is never shabby? Being able to get our good friend Ryan Rothstein of the Philadelphia CityCast on this podcast. Going to be talking some NLEs, and going to be talking some Phillies with him next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Neeson Family Podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my, my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, bro. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to be joined by our guest, Ryan Rossi. Does a terrific job holding things down out there in the great city of Pennsylvania. You're able to catch him on Sports Radio WIP. And then over here at VEASAN, he'll Philadelphia CityCast. That is just a whole lot of sports betting information when it comes to teams based out there in the city of Philadelphia. He does a tremendous job with both of those. And to be able to follow him on Twitter, that is at WiseRyeRYE on the back half of that. As Ryan doing apps. Ryan has joined me a few times on this podcast. Brings the goods every time. And Ryan, great to have you aboard. Thank you. G-Unit, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me. 
Great to have you aboard. And Ryan, the National League East, I think, is going to be very fascinating this season. As we know, Mets are currently sitting here in pole position. It has been a very solid start for them going into the weekend at 30 and 17. But that said, they are dealing with quite a few injuries right now. How do you take a look at the National League East? Because there's just still a part of me, even with Brody Van Wagenen out, and by default, just getting rid of Brody Van Wagenen is a big difference for the New York Mets. I still have my trepidations with them. I'm much more willing to buy into them this season than in past seasons, but I do take a look at the Mets. I still could fear a little bit of a second-half drop-off, especially with the way that the injuries have been stacking up for them. Not sure about you, but more willing to buy into them. I still want to see them be able to perform towards the second half of the season, though. Yeah, listen, Greg, all of your points are valid. Uh, You look at recent history and history in general, the Mets are known to collapse. Inconsistent, insert adjective here, where you don't believe in them, right? But see, here's the thing. I'm in Philadelphia, so... I don't really have a whole lot of room to talk, do I, Greg? <laughs> right? I mean, if I'm going to sit here and say, well, the Mets are going to Met, well, what are the Phillies going to do? <laughs> it's I'm at the point now, and like I said, maybe it's because I'm too close to the Philadelphia situation, but why shouldn't I respect this New York Mets team? Uh, even with the injuries, they seem to be able to uh, be holding the fort down thus far uh, past couple of weeks. We'll see how the first couple of weeks of June ends up shaping up here, Greg, but they're legit, man. They can hit the deep ball. They can play small ball. They'll grind you out. They have power in their offense. Obviously we know when healthy, what their starting pitching can look like. Uh, Do I think the NL East is going to look a little different four weeks from now? Absolutely. I, I do think the Atlanta Braves, we haven't seen nearly what they're capable of doing, as we're all well aware of, coming off the World Series win. Uh, Acuna Jr. has been a shell of himself. He still has a lot of room to grow as far as his expectations. And the Phillies actually haven't been that bad. There's just been one or two areas that have been horrendous. So long-winded answer here. I think the NL East is going to get a lot more competitive as we move deeper into the summer. I'm ready to say that the Mets are dangerous and they are for real until I until I see it firsthand. Yep, I do think that it's going to be interesting to be able to gauge these games for the Mets in which they don't wind up having some of their stud pitchers out there because you got to figure that Max Scherzer after the All-Star break is going to be coming back. Jacob DeGrom, he is getting back to throwing as well, so that's going to be big for them. But when they wound up throwing out their Thomas Zabucky a couple of days ago, that was not necessarily so tremendous. And we got to stick to something that also is not so tremendous as we do have Ryan Rossi joining me on the podcast. And we got to bring it up. How much is the Phillies bullpen just killing them right now? Because you just mentioned it with the Phillies. Overall, this has been a team that has played halfway decent, but I take a look at that bullpen coupled with the defense as well. Something underrated is that this Phillies team has been one of the worst defensive teams I've seen in a very long time. But I mean, the starting pitching has been there with guys like Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Ranger Suarez has been a little bit up and down, but even Kyle Gibson has been there. The Bats, Bryce Harper and company, they've done their job, but it's the bullpen and the defense as completely completely killing this team and I think that the Phillies are exhibit a that these things really do matter not just with regards to wins and losses but with regards to betting on these teams as well 
No, absolutely. I mean, here's some a few stats that I discussed in my last episode on the City Cast. I mean, Philadelphia is 10th in all of Major League Baseball and runs scored per game. They're in the top eight, I believe, in ERA from the starting pitchers. That may be in the past four to six weeks. That's eluding me. I don't have the, the full breakdown directly in front of me. I apologize. But my point here is, I don't need to rattle off stats here. The starting pitching has been good. Aaron Nola is coming off a performance 10 strikeouts. He brought the, brought the team into the ninth inning. He goes eight and a third, two outs away from a complete game. He was brilliant. He's tied for first right now in all of Major League Baseball with the most strikeouts, with 74. He's been great. Wheeler in his last start was the Cy Young candidate that we saw last year, and that wasn't the first time that we witnessed that from Wheeler. Ranger Suarez has been a solid guy if you're looking at him as a fourth or fifth arm in the starting rotation, which is, that's exactly what he is. He's been good. Kyle Gibson has been good. Eflin has shown some flashes of being a legitimate viable starter. So the starting rotation, there's really nothing to complain about. The hitting has been honestly better than it may appear to be, maybe from someone not close to the situation. It's just the inconsistencies, right? Like they'll put up 18 runs in a two or three game span, and then they'll get shut out in the next two out of three games. That can't happen. Bryce Harper is, I mean, thank God, Greg, for the DH now in the National League, or else who knows where this Phillies team would be. He's been able to continue to play, a.k.a. continue to bat, because of the new DH rule, and he's been producing with his bat arguably better thus far than he did last year in his NL MVP award-winning season. Schwarber has been disappointing. He, we've seen the power. He's getting the home runs. Castellanos has been, I don't even want to say inconsistent. I think he's just been flat out disappointing as well, but they've seen plenty of production elsewhere in the lineup. So once again, yeah, it's the bullpen. And the scary thing is, I think I've said this to you last time we spoke, the bullpen is a hell of a lot better than it was <laughs> last year and the year prior. And it's a massive concern right now. So you know, I, I don't know what all that means, but they need a little bit more consistency from their bats, but the bullpen just flat out needs to be better, Greg. Yep, I am right there with you. It certainly has been the bullpen. And then when you have Alec Bohm committing three errors in a game from time to time, that is not going to help out these pitchers either, as we've seen Ranger Suarez, who I will say has had a little bit of an up and down season. He just always seems to draw the bad Alec Bohm nights. I have no idea how, I have no idea why, but that's certainly something to take a look at as well. And I mean, the bullpen really does matter in this division because the only thing that the Atlanta Braves have really done well thus far this season is have the bullpen be relatively consistent. The bats, they have been up and down. The New York Mets, it's not the same bullpen that it was last season where they were truly terrific out there in the bullpen. It's just a case in which they just wind up having their offense completely die towards back half of the season, but they were relatively solid with that regard, got rid of a few pieces, so they wound up taking a little bit of a fall off, but the Miami Marlins are a team that entering in the weekend, top five with regards to bullpen ERA, and I think that that's just such a big key with regards to betting on these teams out there in the NL East in general. The bullpens, all aside from the Phillies, have been relatively solid, and you are seeing a lot of lower scoring games when you do wind up getting teams not involving the Phillies because Miami Marlins, they do a good job with their pitching. We've even seen it from some of these other teams like the New York Metropolitans, teams like this, that they do have that solid starting pitching when fully healthy. And I think that that's something that needs to be taken into account when you do wind up betting on these teams along with the weather factors, because we are going to be starting to see it warm up a little bit more in the Northeast part of the country. 
No, absolutely. It's approaching hitting season as World Series winning manager of the Phillies once upon a time, Charlie Manuel would always say. So, you know, how does that factor in to the race here in the NL East? I mean, is it a race? I think I may be a little dramatic with, with the race because the Mets are just well ahead of things here for the Phillies and the Braves looking up at the at the Mets right now. And this series, like the Mets and the Phillies, they don't play again, Greg, until mid-August. I want to say maybe even August 20th. So this series right now, as the Phillies are just getting stomped here as we record this, these next two games, Saturday and Sunday for the Phillies, I don't want to say must win. That's ridiculous when we're not even into June yet, but these are really important. Taylor's getting the start Sunday for the Phillies. They need to do more, and that's really a shame because, quite frankly, Greg, as I've already illustrated, the bats haven't been, quote, an issue here. Uh, my concern, as you've sort of illustrated as well, do the bats for the Atlanta Braves start to come alive? Can the Mets get even better than what we've already seen from them? Uh, if that's the case, then the Phillies have a really tall task ahead. Yeah, and I don't think that I'd be willing to take any sort of a Phillies sort of prop to be able to make the playoffs or to be able to win the division at this point because of what you just alluded as we do have Ryan Rossing joining me on the podcast. When it comes to the Phillies, after the series with the Mets, they wind up getting to play a series against the San Francisco Giants. Then they wind up hosting the LA Angels. Then they wind up playing a set against the Brewers. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who have surprisingly not been terrible this year, have to play them. The Phillies have just, and you know this very well, always struggle with the Marlins. They play them, and then mm. finally they get a break against the Washington Nationals, who we can all agree is just a sad, sad organization right <laughs> now. But, I mean, man, I take a look at this NL East race, and I mean the prices that we're right now getting on the Mets to be able to win the division, I'm not willing to lay them. But with regards to a long shot like the Philadelphia Phillies, with that sort of a schedule, I just cannot take a look at them until they wind up proving to me otherwise. No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I can I can lay out the argument for why you should take the Phillies. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and actually back this argument, but you know, quickly I'll, I'll lay it out. Um, and you sort of already laid it out, Greg, but just to repeat some of what you said, you look at the Mets injuries. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I said the next four to six weeks can actually be when the Phillies win this division or lose it or make the postseason or lose it. Like you can lose your chances to get deep into the playoffs, get deep into October, November right now. Everyone always loves to say it's early, uh, but I did feel like this window here, especially with the Mets injuries in their starting rotation, uh, gives the Phillies a window of opportunity. You have seen the flashes from the Philadelphia Phillies side of things. Bryce Harper, as I've mentioned, is hitting at an MVP rate. Maybe Schwarber starts to piece things together now as we get into hitting season, as we get into June. Uh, likewise for Castellanos, the rest of the crew sort of just continues their pace. Gene Segura has had a really nice start to the season. Hoskins has hit well. Alec Baum, you've illustrated his flaws and frustrations defensively. He's actually been great at the plate. So this lineup is deep. So there is an argument to be made for a buy low spot right now with the Phillies. Having said that, I need to see more from them. They haven't gone lower than four games under 500 this year. They haven't gone over four games over 500. I think it's even two games over 500. So it's just the constant swings and roller coaster ride of this Phillies team, aka inconsistency. It's really hard to feel good about saying right now with you, yeah, go make a play on the Phillies to win the division.
Yep, and I will say this right now, DraftKings, the Mets are minus 210 to be able to win the East. I wouldn't be willing to lay that, but the Braves at plus 260 right now, them entering into Friday, 21 and 24. There's just no value there. The Phillies at plus 750. I need to see it to believe it a little bit more. The Marlins at 30 to 1. I mean, if I'd be looking at anything, I'd be looking there, even though they're 18 and 24. (laughs) That would just be merely a play on the number. It's a case of which... The Miami Marlins probably win this division more like one out of every 25 times uh, at plus 3,000. You're getting a little bit of a profit if you wind up playing this out 100 times, but not really a whole like a lot there. So right now it's a little bit of a stay away there. And actually, speaking of the Marlins, I did wind up laying it out, the fact that the Phillies have had their issues with the Marlins in past years. And I think that that is going to be a team that if you're looking to back a team that is currently sub 500, that I think you pick up some seam. I do think that the Marlins are a team that is very intriguing with their pitching. Trevor Rogers has struggled this year, but the starters have been good. Top five bullpen ERA. Offense has surprisingly not been terrible. I take a look at all the teams out there in the NL East and moving forward into June. I think that they might wind up being that most profitable team from this division just with the way that things are set up for them and the fact that you're able to get quite a few plus prices on them. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I hear you. Like, I I do like that price. They are a young team that can make some noise, but I'm up close and and personal with this division here, Greg, and I see the Mets, I see the Braves, and I even see the Phillies, and the Mets are just... A lot would have to happen. And obviously, I think we all understand that when we when we even discuss this topic with the Marlins at 30 to 1. But I don't even know with that number how much of a flyer, so to speak, I'd be willing to take on them just because I don't see anyone not named the Mets, Braves, and the Phillies a distant third there competing for this division. You know, can the Marlins maybe win you some games day to day in June, July? I, I absolutely think so. If you can follow them a little bit closely, uh, if you're not, you know, in the NL East geographical area, but um, I'm not willing to, to get into Marlins, the bets as far as odds to win this division. Yeah, like I was saying, this is probably a case of which the Marlins win at one out of every 25 times right. at plus 3,000. If you wind up playing it out like a hundred times, you might be able to extract a little bit of value, but certainly not one of those things where you want to be putting down all your shekels and be like, yep, we're going all in on the Marlins this year, trying to be able to hit a little bit of a Powerball ticket there. But we always hit a Powerball ticket whenever we do wind up having you on the podcast, Ryan. You do a terrific job over there with the Philadelphia CityCast, a part of VSIN, and then WIP Radio in Philadelphia. You are a man that... I'm sure has a lot to say about the Philadelphia 76ers. And the good news is they cannot lose a game until the fall of next year. So there is good (laughs) news there. But on top of that, I know that you're getting all ready for a great year from the Philadelphia Eagles. You're going to be following the Phillies all summer long. And I know you do some other ins and outs when it comes to just taking a look at the market of Philadelphia and sports in general. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've got going on in general. You're very kind, my friend. I appreciate it. And like I said, to start the conversation, I always enjoy chatting it up with you uh, anytime. And I got to get you on the Philadelphia City cast soon. But like you said, at Wise Ride, W-I-S-E, R-Y-E, Twitter, Instagram as well, if you want to see some photos of my nonsense. But you can find links to the Philadelphia CityCast on my Twitter feed. You can find the link to all the podcast platforms. The CityCast is available to you on vcent.com as well. You can see the whole CityCast family tab there, if you will. And if you want to ever tune in on my shows on 94WIP, you can find all of those updates right there on my social media. So I appreciate it, man. 
Ryan does an absolutely terrific job with the Philadelphia City cast. Man does a great job covering a little bit of everything as when Villanova was making their run to the Final Four was a big contributor being able to break that down for me on my basketball podcast as well. So guys, very well-versed, always brings the goods and did so once again today. So big thanks to Ryan Rossi for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast and covering it next. It is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my game. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Easton Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to have our good friend Ryan Rothstein of the Philadelphia CityCast along with Sports Radio WIP on the show. Does a great job holding it down out there in the great state of Pennsylvania. And every time he joins this podcast, along with my college basketball podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, he always delivers the goods just like he did today. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRNSquarty1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom to be able to keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And we are going to be starting with this first National League game of 951-952 on the bang board. The San Francisco Giants hit the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Tyler Molly is going to be going for the Reds, and Alex Cobb is going to be on the bump. For San Francisco, San Francisco anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145 favorites. And then with the Reds, you're going to be finding them as bad as a plus 115. And you're going to be finding them as good as a plus 130 with your total on this game. Nine overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The unders anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And I did take into account in this game that it's going to have an 8.35 a.m. Pacific, 11.45 a.m. Eastern first pitch, which means that Gonna have a little bit of a tired San Francisco team in all likelihood, but with that said, I did wind up still making the Giants minus 169 on the money line. When it comes to the run line, I was willing to lay 
a very small price there. And if you're looking at San Francisco laying a run and a half right now, you're going to be finding them right in the neighborhood, about a plus 125. That said, I would still rather lay like a minus 135, minus 145, just to be safe on this one, just because you could wind up seeing some wonky things happening just because the game is so early for a team that is coming over from the West Coast. But with the Giants, they now have a little bit more of a clean bill of health. Tommy Lostell is back in the fold. He's been hitting above 275. Got Evan Longoria and Brandon Crawford back as well. And for Longoria, three home runs over the last five days for him. Jock Peterson wound up having that three home run game against the Mets a couple days ago. Mikey Stromsky, along with Luis Gonzalez out there in the outfield, are hitting above a 300 as well. And take a look at the Reds. This has been a team that has been very solid to the over thus far this season. Quite a bit of that has been because the pitching has not necessarily been so tremendous. So I will say, I believe that. Now you've seen seven out of their last ten games wind up going under the total. You do have Joey Votto back the full end. Just not been going well for him in general this season. Nick Senzel spent a little bit of a bust Rudy along with RECD Sakino out there in the outfield, but Alberto Mora Jr. sitting above a 300 along with Tyler Stevenson. Brandon Drury's been able to supply some boom, and you've been able to get a lot recently out of Kyle Farmer. Wound up going deep yesterday, and he's got three home runs thus far in the last three games for this team. Now, with the Reds, you're always rolling the dice when it comes to this bullpen. Art Warren, Hunter Strickland, both of these guys have ERAs that are north of a 4-5, so it's not necessarily too terrific. Luis Essa has had his ups and his downs, and then you do take a look at Tyler Molly, a guy with a 6-2 ERA. Just has always been worse at home than on the road. 7.54 home ERA this season compared to an ERA hovering right around 5 on the road, and last year his ERA was 3.3 points higher at home than on the road. So, I mean, it's not just this year. It's just throughout his history in general, and Alex Cobb has always had his issues away from home as well. Right now has a 6.25 ERA, has a 9.31 ERA on the road. Now, I do think that you're going to see both of these guys wind up being able to lower their ERAs just a little bit in this one just because... Well, I don't think that both of these guys are going to be departing with ERAs north of 7 with regards to their home and road splits. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.3 because I do think that the Giants are also going to be able to get a little bit more online with regards to their bullpen. Their bullpen ERA is actually below average this season with regards to the leg. You can tell that they are missing their catcher and Buster Posey, but I do think that Jarlon Garcia, Camilio Duvall are going to continue their good work. Tyler Rogers has had a little bit of a rough season. I do think that he's going to be able to get online along with Jose Alvarez, and I do think that Molly who has always been very good on the road, but not so great at home. It's going to be able to rein it in a little bit more. I do wind up saying my total at an 8.3. This has been a red team that has been on a little bit of an under binge. So I'm looking under. And with the San Francisco Giants, I have a little bit of an edge on both the money line and the run line. Would rather go with the money line in this spot to be safe. So going Giants and going under in this spot. 9.53, 9.54 on the bang board. The Colorado Rockies is going to be in the red faceoff against the Washington Nationals. Josiah Gray is going to be going for the Nets. And... Kyle Freeland is going to be on the bump for Colorado. Colorado find themselves anywhere between a minus 105 and a plus 107. Meanwhile, with the Nationals getting them between minus 113 and minus 117 with your total at 9. Under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. When it comes to the Nats, I did wind up seeing them as a favorite of minus 137. This is a Colorado Rockies bunch at... They've always had their struggles on the road, and I will say this, going into the double dip that we wound up getting yesterday, the Nationals' worst home record in the National League at 7-17, and not necessarily so terrific there. I do think that they are going to continue to rein it in a little bit more. That You do take a look at this Washington Nationals lineup, and at home prior to that double dip, they were hitting right around at 220 as a collective, and got a lot of guys getting on base for the team. Keybetter Weiss, Cesar Hernandez, Yadiel 
Hernandez, along with Josh Bell. All these guys hitting at least a 275 for this bunch D strange. Gordon has now been hitting right around 280. Juan Soto really been struggling this year. He's got the 375 on base, but barely hitting above a 230. He's only been able to go deep eight times this season, so that's been an issue for the team. And for the Colorado Rockies, what's just an issue in general is them playing on the road. This is a team that they've gotten batting average is right around 50 points lower on the road than it is. I know you take a look at someone like a CJ Crone. He's got 13 home runs this season. Nine of them have come at home. And you take a look at what he's doing on the road. He's hitting right around 200. He's hitting nearly a 400 at home. I mean, it's just very stark with that regard. Jose Iglesias has actually been pretty consistent home to road, but someone like a counter Joe just hits so much better at home versus on the road. And this is a rocky team that they do have the worst bullpen out there in the big leagues. And they really had to burn through that bullpen in game number one as you weren't even able to get three full innings of the starter in game number one in Austin Gomber. So that's a big giant issue for this team. You're probably going to be looking at someone like a tie block if he didn't wind up getting used up in game two, having to hold down the fort and give this team a few innings. Tyler Kinley along with Alex Colomay, guys that I like out there in the bullpen, but it is a very taxed bullpen. And for the Nationals, they didn't wind up getting much out of their starters yesterday either. So that's not necessarily too tremendous for a bullpen that itself is in the bottom half of the big leagues with regards to ERA. Paul Espino is able to give you a little bit of length. Kyle Finnegan has been a little bit better recently, but certainly has been an up-and-down bunch. Austin Volth has not necessarily been able to do a great job, but you do take a look at both of these starters, and while neither of them are necessarily too terrific, I do feel like Josiah Gray is starting to come into his own. Does have a 544 ERA, and the big thing is the deep ball. He's allowing right around 2.3-ish home runs per nine innings, but has been able to do a better job of being able to limit some of the walks. He's got to combine three walks over the course of his last two starts. He has been getting tagged in quite a few of these starts, so I will say last two home starts. Six runs given up to the Astros, seven runs given up to the Dodgers, but I do think that a little bit of the 544 ERA is the fact that he's just going up against these really tough teams. 825 home ERA, 242 road ERA, so that's been an issue, but you do take a look at Kyle Freeland as well, and this is someone that's rocking a 460 ERA. Not a guy that's necessarily going to get a ton of swing and miss this year, right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. A little bit uncharacteristic for him, and he does have a buck 17 ERA on the road thus far, but he's also backed up by a really bad bullpen, and this is a guy that he does wind up having some hard contact issues thus far this season. Four home runs given up in 47 innings, but if you look at the advanced numbers, opponents are going to get 293 off of him. He's very lucky that that number is out a little bit higher, so I do wind up saying the Nationals at a minus 137 in this spot. I'm going to be willing to lay it with them. I do wind up saying Matola at an 8.3. You've got a Nationals team that they don't have a lot of power, but they hit for contact, and you do have a Rockies team that they're just so much worse on offense when they are on the road. So looking under and looking at the Nationals, 955-956 on the bang board. The Miami Marlins at the road face off gets the Atlanta Braves. Max Freed is going to be going for the Bravos, and Eliezer Hernandez is going to be on the bump for Miami. Miami's between a plus 170 and a plus 180 underdog. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Atlanta, anywhere between minus 192 and minus $2 is your price. 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even at minus 110. On the 8.5, under is minus 125, and the over is plus 105. In terms of the money line of the Atlanta Braves, I'm right there. I want to make in this number minus 197. I would prefer to not lay the money line, though, if you're looking at the run line. Right now, you're finding that at a plus 115 with regards to the Braves. And I was willing to take this right around even money, pretty much. As long as I was getting any sort of a plus price, I was willing to take a shot here. So I'm going to reduce the juice. I am going to be taking a look at the run line of the Atlanta Braves because with Eliezer Hernandez, what he does that Max Freed really doesn't do is he gives up rockets. Eliezer Hernandez is right now on pace to give up right around 2.4 home runs 
per nine innings, 11 bombs given up in 39 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate is hovering right around three. He's got a 5.45 ERA now. Outside of home runs, he does mind giving up a walk a lot, but it's... That's a big, giant disclaimer right there. 689 area thus far this season, giving up six home runs at 15 and two-thirds innings in road starts with opponents sitting at 281 off of them. That's not terrific. And for Max Fried, wound up having a couple rough starts to begin the season, and he did wind up having a little bit of shakiness against the San Diego Padres a few weeks ago. But other than those first two starts, he's got a sub-3 ERA this year. If you include those two bad starts to begin the year, 327 ERA in full. And he's done a nice job of being able to hold down the fork, keep the ball in the yard, giving up right around .75 home runs per nine innings. A guy that doesn't wind up getting out of control with guards command as well. His walks per nine rate is lower than 1.6, so been able to do a very solid job there. Opponents are at 262 off of him at home compared to a buck 88 on the road. I do think that that is going to rein itself in a little bit. And when it comes to this Atlanta Braves lineup, you do have guys that I think are going to be able to pick it up with the bat. It was another little bit of a slow game for them yesterday, but you do have Ozzie Albies, Matt Olson, along with Austin Riley. Only between about a 240 to a 250 with Riley. He has been able to do a good job of going deep with 10 home runs thus far this season. Ronald Acuna Jr. was back in the fold yesterday. He's been able to hit above a 300. James V. Swanson 333 on base. He's been a nice concept for this team this season. And to the surprise of myself, William Contreras, when he's been behind the dish, he has been able to do a very solid job for the team. He's getting a home run every about eight or so at bats. And then for the Miami Marlins, you do have a few guys that have been able to do a great job of getting on base in their own right. You've got Asus Aguiar who's hitting right around 260. He's just an RBI machine for this team. John Birdie, Garrett Cooper hitting a 275 to an 85 along with Joey Wendell in that fold as well. You need a little bit more out of some of these star players, but Miguel Rojas, Jacob Sellings, they're starting to pick it up a little bit. Brian De La Cruz is back in the fold. He's hitting a 260 even with Orde Soler hitting just a 200 for the team. He's been able to make a little bit of an impact with regards to his power. And for the Miami Marlins, this is a top five bullpen with regards to ERA. You've been able to have some very good performances out of Lewis Head. He's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Anthony Bass has had that as well. Anthony Bender, though, he's been a little bit rough out there. And for the Atlanta Braves, this has been a solid bullpen for them as well. Kenley Jansen has been a little bit prone to blowing a few saves. But even with that, you've still been able to get some very nice performances out of A.J. Minter. I love the way that Spencer Strider has been able to give this team a little bit of length as well. Jackson Stevens is a long guy. He's been able to give you right around a 1-ish ERA to other Madzik deal with an injury is not necessarily too terrific, but that said, I do think that the Atlanta Braves should be able to get to Hernandez in the spot. I think that Freed is going to be dealing himself. I did wind up saying this little at a 7.7. I do think that Hernandez going to be able to rein in it a tad bit more with regards to giving up that hard contact. I do think that Freed going to be able to have himself a very nice home start against the Miami Marlins team that has been a little bit intermiss with regards to being able to hit home runs, even with Jazz Chisholm being able to give you right around eight home runs as far this season. So going to be taking a look at the Braves on the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 957, 958 on the banking board. Got the Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to be in the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis is going to be going for the cards, and Corbin Burns as I feel like his name should be said in an old English accent. Going to be going for the Brewers. Brewers are finding themselves in between minus 127 and minus 135. Plus price here on the cards is anywhere between plus 110 and plus 122. 7 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. I set my total at a 6.2. This is the lowest total I've made on a single game this season. I am taking a look at this total under with the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Currently, they're dealing with some bats that are out of the fold. Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro. A pair of guys that have got nine home runs this season. Both of them are currently on the injured list. You've had Rowdy tell us he'll give you nine home runs. He's hitting a 240. That's been relatively solid for the team. And you did have Christian Yelich about two or so weeks ago be able to hit for the cycle. He's been able to give you a 335 on base. Victor Carantini is starting to pick it up. He wanted getting a home run yesterday. And Castanera. Saying a 250 for this bunch, but you're seeing Luis Urias starting to dip down with regards to his batting average. He's saying a 265. You've got Yelich along Tyrone Taylor and Andrew McCutcheon all hitting approximately a 241. I don't know how that winds up working out, but somehow, some way, that is a thing. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you do have a pair of guys in the middle of the lineup that are doing a very solid job of being able to get on base. How about the young gun in Nolan Gorman since he's been called up hitting a 360? This is a guy that tore it up at the minor league level, so that's big. Paul Goldschmidt, he's hitting a 355 with a 420 on base. He went deep for the 10th time this season yesterday, so he has been on fire. Nolan Arenado is starting to dip down, but he along with Juan Yepes and Tommy Edmond, only between about a 270 to a 280. Harrison Bader has been able to get on base for you, but here's the thing with the Cardinals. They did not wind up having to face Devin Williams along Josh Hader yesterday, so that means that these two guys are going to be in the bullpen, and one Gobin Burns has been absolutely incredible on the road, not just this year, but the last two years. Last year he had a buck 94 road ERA. This year he's got a 174 ERA. He's somehow actually been better on the road than he has been at home the last two seasons. You take a look at what he's been able to do this season on the road in five starts. He has given up three home runs at 31 innings, so he's given up a little bit of hard contact, but his walks per nine rate is right around two. Opponents are getting a 211 off of him, and this guy is just getting swings and misses right now. Right around ten and a half punch outs per nine innings. Miles Michaelis on the other end. Buck 96 ERA. He did wind up giving up three runs in his last start against the Toronto Blue Jays. That is a season high for him with regards to earned runs. He wound up having a couple unearned runs be tagged to him, but certainly has been able to do a nice job. He's been giving out right around two blocks per nine innings. Swinging himself is not there, unlike with Corbin Burns. He only gets right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but does a good job of being able to induce some soft contact, and because the Cardinals were up by so many runs yesterday, they were able to throw out their They're less than trustworthy bullpen guys, so guys like Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley, have all been able to do a solid job are available and Helsley has yet to give up an earned run this season as well so you got two really good bullpens and you got yourself a pair of starters that have been on absolute fire and a Brewers team that's a little bit banged up with the lineup I'm willing to trust in the Brewers in this spot just because I think that Corbin Burns just going to continue his utter dominance on the road set the Brewers at a minus 132 I'm willing to lay the minus 130 here with them and when it comes to this total typically don't like to take sevens under like this but I think that this is going to be a low scoring game I'm looking at the under and I'm going to be taking a look at the crew. 959-960 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers. They're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Davies is going to be going for the Snakes. And Tyler Anderson is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers, anywhere between minus 195 and minus 210 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Snakes, it's anywhere between plus 165 and size plus 192 with your total line and a half. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And when it comes to Diamondbacks, need at least a plus 195 to be able to take a shot here. So we have yet to be able to get there with regards to the run line of the LA Dodgers. Right now you're finding it in between a minus 125 and a minus 130. And this is a situation in which I was willing to lay up to a minus 135. So I'm going to be willing to take that run line of the LA Dodgers. This is a guy in Tyler Anderson who has pitched a little bit of long relief this season out of the bullpen, but wound up getting elevated into the starting rotation after about two times through and has really been able to do a nice job for this team. Posting up a 330 ERA. 
has been giving up right around 1.2 to 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but command is there. Literally about 1.1 walks per nine innings. So he has been absolutely incredible with that regard and has been better on the road than he has been at home. 450 home ERA, 208 road ERA, giving up two home runs in 21 and two-thirds innings with opponents hitting a buck 92 off of him. And then you do take a look at Zach Davies. And Davies has been a little bit shaky recently. Has given up at least three runs in each out of his last three starts. After having a very nice start to the season, has given up a combined four bombs in his last two starts. One of those coming against the Dodgers when he wanted to face off against the Dodgers on the 18th of May. Gave up five runs over the course of four innings. And that wound up torpedoing the game for the years in the Diamondbacks. Because with the Diamondbacks, the bullpen as a whole, not necessarily too terrific. You do have a couple guys that if you lend a good start, you're able to bring them in and they're able to be relatively locked down. Noe Ramirez is right around a 3-ish ERA. Kyle Nelson along Joe Manette Tipley both have sub-125 ERAs. John Poppin has actually been able to do a solid job, but then you wind up getting into some of the other guys like a Caleb Smith who has not been too terrific and for the LA Dodgers. This has been a bunch that has been able to get some very unlikely production out of the bullpen. Craig Kimbrell has actually not been too good this year. He's got north of a 4 ERA, but you've been able to have Alex Vesea along with Justin Brule, Danny Hudson, I'll be able to give you a sub 280 ERA. Whenever Reyes Bonanta has been out there, he's been able to do a solid job. He's been off and on injured, so that's been a little bit of an issue for this team, but he's been very good whenever he's been having to go out there as well. And then you take a look at the LA Dodgers with regards to the lineup, and Mookie Betts has been terrific entering into Saturday. A guy that has been able to go deep 13 times at the leadoff spot, hitting a 300. You've got Trey Turner down for what, and Justin Freeman both hitting in that 300 range as well. Edwin Rios, ever since he's been getting consistent at-bats, he's been terrific getting a home run every 11 or so at-bats. You get 280. Justin Turner, still not turning around for EMX Muncy. Both of these guys have been rough, but Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux, they're in right around 260. Will Smith is still getting jiggy with it. He's in a 250 and for the years in the Diamondbacks. Still the worst team with the guards batting average out there in the National League, but you have been able to get some power out of Christian Walker. 12 bombs thus far this season. Dalton Varsho is hitting right around 260. He's went deep eight times, and all of a sudden you've got Josh Roa sitting above a 300. He had that three-home run game last week against the Chicago Cubs. Paven Smith has been able to get on base along with Keitao Marte of the Marte Parte a little bit more. So I do think that if Arizona winds up getting up a little bit more northward, I might be willing to take a shot, but right now the way that I see it, I'm going to be taking a look at the Dodgers on the run line, willing to lay up to a minus 135 there, and when it comes to Soto, do you mind up setting it at a 9.1? So here at the 9.5, I think we've went up a little bit too lofty. I'm looking at the under, and I'm looking at the Dodgers on the run line. 961-962 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit the road to face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Mackenzie Gore is going to be on for the pods, and Ron C. Contreras is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburghers find themselves an underdog of an anywhere team plus 160 and plus 185. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the pods, it's anywhere team minus 190 and minus $2. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere team minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And when it comes to the Padres, they wind up saying them at a minus 212 in this spot. Don't really want to lay this big of a money line. If you're looking at the run line, you're finding it. Right around a plus 105 in a lot of spots. I'm seeing a straight plus 120 at DraftKings. Unfortunately, I don't have access to that. But I do have access to the plus 105s. And I was willing to lay a small number with regards to Padres on the run line. So being able to get plus money, I'm going to be taking a look there. Because this is a Pirates team that they're currently in the bottom six of the big leagues. With regards to bullpen ERA, you've got some really rough arms out there. As Eth Embry along with Chris Strand are both guys with north of a four ERA. Will Crow has actually been able to do a halfway decent job in long relief. But Anthony Banda now rocking a five-ish ERA. David Bernard, J.C. Young, these guys have been relatively solid, but 
with Ronsi Contreras wound up having a very good first start of the season against the Colorado Rockies, five scoreless, but it's a Rockies offensive when they're on the road. They are one of the worst teams in all of baseball, so I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Young 22-year-old that I think is actually going to be very tremendous for many years to come, but I still don't trust him necessarily in San Diego, and then you take a look at Mackenzie Gore, and this guy's been absolutely lights out. One home run, give it up in 35 innings. His walks per nine rate, that is sub three. And you take a look at what Mr. Gore has been able to do in his last five starts. He has given up a grand total of six runs. So he has been able to do an amazing job in that aspect. And then you do take a look at the Padres lineup. And you just need guys not named Machado and Hosmer to be able to step up going into Saturday. Both of these guys hitting north of a 330. So they have certainly been there. But you take a look at some of these other guys. You've got Jerickson Profar. Austin Supernola, you're able to throw in there. Luke Voigt, Jake Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, and then Robinson Cano as well. They're all hitting at 215 or lower, so that has been a big, giant issue for this team. As a matter of fact, guys not named Hosmer and Machado. You've got one other guy that is within 95 points of their batting average, and that'd be Jorge Alfaro hitting at 243. So that is an issue, but you do take a look at this Padre bullpen, and it's relatively solid. Taylor Rogers has been arguably the best closer in the big leagues, not named Josh Hader, 17 saves, 0 44 ERA entering into Saturday. Robert Suarez is starting to come along for the ride. Luis Garcia has been a little bit up and down, but now he's rocking a 330 ERA and then for the Pirates went through their struggles as well. And when it comes to the Padres, they should be able to shut down these Pittsburgh Pirates bats as been a little bit rough for them this season, Daniel. Vogelback has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. He's now hitting more around at 240. You have been able to have a few guys be able to get on base for the team. Ben Gamble along with Brian Hayes. Both of these guys north of the 350 on base. But Brian Reynolds, who last season hit a 300. He's down to a 217 this season with regards to his batting average. Yoshi Satsugo, after he showed some promise last year, he wound up sinking back down. Now Michael Chavis has been able to right around a 280 for the team. But don't necessarily have a lot of trustworthy bats, especially at the catcher spot. So this is a situation which I do mind saying the Padres minus 212 on the money line was willing to lay a little bit of price on the run line. So going to be taking a look at the Padres on the run line. I do think that the Padres do wind up doing a solid job of holding down the fort against the Pirates. But I do think that the Padres going to be able to get to Young, Contreras, and into that bullpen. So set my total at a 7.6. And ball flies a little bit differently during the daytime than the nighttime out there in San Diego. This is a daytime game. So looking over and looking at the Padres on the run line. I'd 63-964 on the bang board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the right face off against the New York Mets. Chris Bassett hoods the hook, line, and sinker for the Mets. And you got Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler for the Phillies. The Phillies are finding themselves anywhere between even money and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Metropolitans, it is anywhere between minus 117 and minus 120 on them. 7.5 is your total over and under. Both anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Need at least a plus 110 to be able to take a shot here on Philadelphia. And we've got that plus 110. So I'm going to be willing to take a look at the Phillies here with Zach Wheeler. Wound up having a couple rough starts to begin the season because there wound up being a truncated spring training. He was unable to get his work in ever since he's been able to for lack of a better term, round into form, he has been tremendous. He has given up a grand total of five runs over the course of his last five starts. He has been absolutely magnificent in that regard. The hard contact has wound up going down as well. Last year, he was one of the best in the big leagues, being able to keep the ball in the yard, and still overall this year, 
Two home runs give it up in 45 and a third innings. His walks per nine rate is two. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is a little bit above 10. This guy's been terrific. And then you take a look at Chris Bassett. He's done a little bit up and down with the Mets thus far this season. A lot of this due to the fact that he wound up having that start against the San Francisco Giants, which he wound up giving up eight runs in four and a third innings. No question that was a little bit of an ERA booster. And you take a look at what he's done at home. It's actually still been worse than on the road, despite the fact that that start did wind up coming in San Francisco. A 4.06 ERA at home. Giving up five home runs over the course of 31 innings. The walks, he's been able to rein those in. It's a walk per nine rate. It's hovering right around about a 2.8-ish. So he's been able to do a good job there. Still getting some good swings and misses. But he's also backed up by a bullpen that it's still solid, but it's not as good as it was last season. You did wind up having Miguel Castro leaving the offseason along with Aaron Loop, Jersey Familian Company. So you're going to be relying a lot on Drew Smith and Jason Shreve moving forward. Shreve is someone that is in the ERA that is approaching five. Edwin Diaz has been very good as a closer, but Seth Lugo, you typically expect him to be relatively solid. He's rocking a four-ish ERA in them for the Philadelphia Phillies. It has been a really bad bullpen, but I still do think that Corey Knable along with Brandon are both relatively solid. Both of these guys sub three ERAs. James Norwood is a guy that you can have absolutely no faith in whatsoever. Long jersey familiar. I mean, familiar in some big spots. Has not been able to come up big, but with the Phillies, what is coming up big? The bats for this team. As you've got Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber both entering into Saturday with 10 home runs. Harper hitting above a 300. Schwarber needs to pick it up, hitting just a buck 90. But bottom of the lineup, Odubo Herrera, Alec Bohm, along with the Yohan Camargo, they've been able to produce. You take a look at Herrera, Segura, and Alec Bohm. All in between a 280 to a 290. You've had Nick Cassianos, who's hitting just a 250. You expect a little bit more power out of him, but by and large, it's been a relatively solid Phillies lineup. And then you take a look at the Mets, and you've got some guys who are doing a good job of being able to get on base for the team as well. Marcana has been able to hit right around a 290, so he cannot get on base for you. Luis Calorme, along with Jeff McNeil, both hitting above a 300. You've got Pete Alonso having 12 home runs, hitting a 285, entering into Saturday. Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, now hitting a 275 as well. So I do think that it is going to be a case in which it's going to be a little bit difficult for both of these pitchers to hold down the fort, but I do think that Bassett could round into form a little bit more, but I take a look at Zach Wheeler. Guy is dealing right now, I think, on Sunday Night Baseball out there in a pitcher-friendly ballpark in New York. He's going to have his best stuff, willing to take the plus 110. I'm seeing right now with the Philadelphia Phillies. And semi total at 7.4, so I had a 7.5 looking under and looking Phillies. 9.65, 9.66 on the betting board. You've got the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bavetta is going to be going for the Sox. And Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on the end of Zimmerman is going to be going for Baltimore. You're finding your total on this total 10 with the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And for Boston, you're going to be finding them in between a minus 165 and a minus 175. Meanwhile, with Baltimore, it is anywhere between a plus 145 and a plus 155. Seeing a straight plus 160 out there as well. And in this spot, I did wind up saying the Orioles more in the neighborhood of plus 177. So, going to be one to take a look at Boston with regards to the Boston Red Sox run line. Find that anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 120. I was willing to take anything north of plus 110. With regards to our Red Sox run line, I'm going to look to reduce the juice, and I'm going to be taking a look at the run line, because with regards to Nick Pavetta, he's really been able to rein it in recently. Has always been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home in his Boston Red Sox tenure, but certainly has been able to do a solid job here recently. And home to road, it has been very equal with regards to his ERA in both settings. He has given up three home runs, both at home and on the road thus far this season as well. His walks per nine rate is hovering right around a three-ish, and you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and with Bruce Zimmerman, he has been certainly giving up the deep ball himself. 
himself. Eight home runs, give it up in 47 and two-thirds innings, so right around 1.5-ish home runs per nine innings. He's got an ERA that's a little bit over a full point higher on the road than at home this season. And you want to go back to 2021, he wound up having more like two and a half points higher on his ERA that year than at home. So that's been a little bit of a problem for him. And seven out of his eight home runs, give it up, have come on the road as well. And he has to go up against the Boston Red Sox lineup that they are seeing the ball very well. Trevor Story has been able to bust out. Did wind up getting a little bit of a day off in game number one yesterday. He wound up being able to play in game number two. But you just take a look at the three mashers in the middle of the lineup for this team. J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, and then you're able to throw in their Xander Bogarts. All these guys entering into game two of that double dip, hitting at least a 322. You've only got really one other guy hitting above a 265 that has seen more than 10 at bats thus far this season, Christian Vasquez. So, Franchi Cordero has been a guy that we've been waiting on for quite a while. He's starting to bust out. He's now hitting above a 260. So, that's been very nice for the team. And you do have Story, who's been able to give the team four home runs over the last 10 days, a double digit amount of RBI in that spot as well. But really, both of these teams, they really had to burn through their bullpens yesterday. You do have a Red Sox bullpen that, in general, right now, it's not necessarily too terrific. Jake Diekman has been having right around a four-ish ERA this season. Austin Davis has been able to do a solid job of Matt Barnes. I mean, he came into game two with a 7.20 ERA. That has not necessarily been too terrific. And then do take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. And I've been expecting a little bit of regression with the guards of bullpen. We're starting to see it a little bit. You just can't expect someone like a CNL Perez to have a sub-1 ERA. You take a look at Dylan Tate. He's got a sub-2 ERA. I actually do like him. Ode Lopez. Buck 23, you got to figure that that's going to be going northward a little bit as well. They've been able to have some very solid outings from Felix Bautista as well. I like what he's been able to do. And then you do take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. And this is a squad that wound up playing each other first 12 games, either to an under or a push. And when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, you've got guys that are starting to finally get on base for this team. Austin says, kid, Trey Boomer, Mancini. Both of these guys are north of a 275 for this team. Anthony Santander has been able to give you a 340 on base. Ryan Mountcastle sitting at 250. Cedric Mullins has done a solid job along with Ryan McKenna hitting right around a 245. So these guys have been able to step up. It's been a little bit rough for Adley Rushman, but got to feel like he's going to be able to really start to blossom as well. So this is a situation which I'm going to be taking a look at the Boston Red Sox on the run line. I do think that Zimmerman just going to give up a little bit too much hard contact, and I think the total should be a little bit higher, but I think we've went a little bit too extreme with the 10, especially with the way that the offense has been going in general this season in Major League Baseball. So somebody total at 9.2. I'm looking under, and I'm looking at the Red Sox on the run line. 967-968 on the betting board. Got yourself the Cleveland Guardians in the red faceoff against the Detroit Tigers. Elvin Rodriguez is going to be going for the Tigres. And you've got for the Cleveland Guardians, Tristan McKenzie. And McKenzie finding himself anywhere between a minus 142 and a minus 150 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Detroit, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 135 with 7.5 being your total over and under both at minus 110. And when it comes to the Detroit Tigers, I did wind up seeing them at a plus 154. So was willing to lay up to a minus 154 with the Cleveland Guardians. If you're looking at them on the run line, finding it anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 130. I needed about a plus 115 to be able to take a shot here. And even though I see a little bit less of an edge with regards to the money line rather than the run line, I do want that added protection of the money line because 
With regards to the Tigers, they have been playing some very low-scoring games all season long because this has been the worst offense in the big leagues this season, but they've also got a top-five bullpen in terms of ERA as well. Now, they wound up getting just completely smoked yesterday in that it did wind up having the bullpen just completely crumble as with the Detroit Tigers, they wound up allowing six runs out of the bullpen in those final three innings as you did wind up having to go to Drew Carlton towards the back half of that game, but you should have rested and ready to go quite a few of your more trustworthy bullpen pieces like an Andrew Chafin. Alex Lang has been terrific for this team. Even Willie Peralta has been able to do a solid job being able to hold down the fort for this team and for the Cleveland Guardians. You certainly have been able to get some good production out of some of these bullpen pieces as well. Emmanuel Classe did wind up getting used up yesterday, but Trevor Steven has been able to do a nice job for the team. Nick Sandlin has been a little bit banged up throughout the season, but he's healthy. He's got right around a 320 ERA. Sam Entages, sub 2 ERA. Eli Morgan is able to give you multiple innings. He's rocking a 270 ERA. And for the Cleveland Guardians, it has been a lineup that has been dealing with a couple of ailments, but Jose Ramirez has been the main concept for this team. Over 40 RBI this season, 11 home runs. So he has been absolutely magnificent for the team. Stephen Kwan has been a little bit banged up, but he, Josh Naylor, Miles Straw, Owen Miller, all at least 325 with regards to on-base percentage. Andre Semenis, he's been able to hit north of 8275 for the team as well. And you do take a look at the Detroit Tigers lineup, and boy, it's not really giving you too much right now. As right now you've got... Jonathan Scope, Eric Koss, Robbie Grossman, Spencer Torkelson, Jameer Candelario, Des Cameron. All hitting a 200 or lower. And Avi Bias is now hitting below a 200 as well. You know, Castro's been able to hit a 325. And Willie Castro has been able to get on base a little bit as well. But really past that, it's been putrid for this Detroit Tigers team. I do take a look at the Tigers bunch. And I think that the pitching is going to be there. But I just don't know what you're going to be able to get. With regards to the offense against a guy in Tris McKenzie who's really been able to lock down with regards to the command ever since he got sent out to the minor leagues last season. Right around two and a half walks per nine innings, giving up less than a home run per nine. And then for Elvin Rodriguez in his first career start against the Minnesota Twins, did wind up lasting five innings, but in that first inning, did wind up giving up a grand slam as well. From there, the bullpen was able to hold down the fort, but he wound up allowing four runs in that game. And someone that just really wasn't necessarily too proven out there in the minor leagues, he wouldn't have get, gotten the call to the majors unless if things were really, but really bad. And Things were very dire, and they had to send him up to the big leagues, which is why he's making the start right now, and I don't think it's going to be going too well for him. I think that we're going to get a little bit of a lower-scoring game set by total at 7.2, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And with Cleveland, made them a minus 154 on the money line, so want to take that money line with Cleveland. 969-970 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Tampa Bay Rays playing against the New York Yankees. Luis Severino is going to be going for the Yankees, and Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are finding themselves in between minus 117 and minus 125, and with the New York Yankees, it is anywhere between even money and plus 108, seeing a plus 110 out there on them as well. 6.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105, and when it comes to Tampa Bay Rays, I did wind up setting them at a minus 118, so here at that minus 118 slash minus 117, it's the max I'm willing to lay on them, but I am willing to lay it in. This is going to be the DK Nation pick right here. I'm looking at the over in this spot. Six and a halves are just numbers that have went a little bit too far with regards to this era of baseball. Now, I do take a look at things, and it certainly is a case in which I do think that both of the starters are going to be able to do a relatively solid job, but 
I think we went down just a little bit too low. You take a look at Luis Severino thus far this season. 3-0 record, 3-0-2 ERA, and he has given up a combined one earned run over his last 13 innings in his last few starts, but that said, prior to that, he had given up at least three runs in each of his previous three, and that came against the Orioles, the Royals, and the Toronto Blue Jays, so I do think that there is going to be some regression setting in here. Severino has a 281 road ERA, but this is really his first sample size in quite a few years, and then with Shane McClanahan, he has been lights out for the Tampa Bay Rays team. I mean, you just take a look at the swing and miss stuff. He is on base this year to get right around 12 punch outs per nine innings. He has given up right around one home run per nine innings. And that's like the worst thing that you could say about him because he's got a 206 ERA. It's absolutely ridiculous what he's been able to do this season. Has been a little bit worse at home than he's been on the road. 238 home ERA, 147 road ERA, but trying to pick out flaws with him this season is very, very difficult. It has been a good run of it there, but the reason why I do like this over is, for one, he is going up against the New York Yankees, who has been the top-scoring offense out there in the big leagues. It was a little bit more rough for them yesterday, and really in both games in the series that we've seen recently, other than the 7-2 game that we wound up seeing on Thursday, last two games, a combined three runs for them. you got to feel like this is a Yankees team that is going to be able to bust out a little bit more. You've got Aaron Judge hitting 17 home runs this season, 304 batting average. This has been a little bit of a banged-up bunch. Giancarlo San has been out of the fold in recent days, but you still got Isaiah Canera-Falefa along with Miguel Anduar in between a 250 to a 260. Joey Gallo certainly not there for his batting average, but it's a guy that is able to supply the boom. DJ turned it up. LeMayu has been a little bit up and down. He's been a little bit banged up, but he's still in a 250. Anthony Rizzo double-digit amount of home runs there, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, you do have a top of the lineup that does a great job of being able to get on base. Randy Orozarena, Wander Franco along G-Man Joy, Yanni Diaz, you're able to throw in there, Francisco Mia as well. All these guys are in between about a 255 to a 265. Then you've got Manuel Margot north of a 400 on base for the team. Kevin Kiermaier has been able to hit a couple home runs for the team. One of them and inside the park home run, but certainly has been able to do a nice job there. So the Tampa Bay Rays getting on base as well. And for the Yankees, this has been a bullpen that has been one of the best out there in the big leagues this season. And so of Clay Holmes, who has a sub 0.50 ERA this season, which is absolutely ridiculous to say. Wandy Peralta has been great, but Raldis Chapman is the only thing to kill his injury. Chad Green at, wound up having Tommy John surgery, so he's out for the season. You've also been dealing with Jonathan Luizga being really bad, and he's currently on the injured list as well, so Lucas Lukey is going to be seeing some more innings, and he's got a 5-ish ERA, and for the Tampa Bay race, certainly has been a terrific bullpen. Got to feel like there might be a little bit of regression with someone like J.P. Fireisen, who literally has not given up an earned run all season long. It's absolutely ridiculous what we've been seeing there. You've been able to get Jalen Beeks going with a buck 30 ERA. Jason Adam, sub one ERA, but I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to get a little bit more to McClanahan in the spot. And Luis Severino, I think that he's doing for a little bit of regression after his last two starts. have gone very swimmingly. I just don't think that Severino is going to do a good job of being able to keep the Rays batters off guard. I think that the Rays are going to do a solid job of being able to draw some walks, be able to get in a couple runs. So, DK Nation picking this one. Going to be on the over they wind up saying my total at a 7.8. And with the race, willing to lay up to a minus 118 with them. So on the race and on the over with regards to the DK Nation pick here. 971-972 on the bang board. The Kansas City Royals. They hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Sonny Gray is going to be going for the Twins. Zach Greinke is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves anywhere between a plus 150 and a plus 161 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Twins, you're going to be finding them in between minus 168 and minus 175 with 8.5 to 9 being your total on the 9. Under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 8.5, over is minus 120 and the under is even. And when it comes to the Minnesota Twins, I did wind up saying that 
them as a minus 163 favor with regards to the money line. If you're looking at the run line, right now you're finding that right in the pocket of about a plus 115-ish, and this is a situation which I needed at least a plus 110 to be able to take a shot here on the Minnesota Twins run line, so I'm going to be willing to do so there because with Sonny Gray, I do think that he's going to be able to lend a very good start in this spot, and with Minnesota, I've noticed that these totals have gone up a little bit more northward than I would think. It is getting a little bit more humid out there in the Midwest part of the country, but certainly I don't think that it warrants this high of total because you do have a very pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Minnesota and with Sonny Gray he's been someone that has just not been able to stay healthy throughout his career but take a look at what he's been able to do in his last four starts he's given up a combined four earned runs giving up in that time span just one home run and the swing and miss stuff it is certainly there for him as he has been able to get a grand total of 30 punch outs in his last four starts he has been absolutely tremendous since coming off of ailment if he's able to stay healthy he's going to be able to put together a nice season giving up overall for the season right around about three walks per nine and he seems to rein it in a little bit more there and Zach Ranky. He's been able to do a great job of being able to limit the walks. Right around 1.6 walks per nine innings. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard less than a home run per nine innings. Also doesn't give you much swing and miss anymore. Right around 4.3 strikeouts per nine innings in the Royals. They do back him up with an absolutely putrid bullpen. Scott Barlow has a sub-2 ERA and Gabe Spear has been able to do a nice job. Right around a 250 ERA, but take a look at Josh Shamout north of a 4 ERA. Same for Colin Snyder. You've had Taylor Clark just light games on fire this season. And for the Minnesota Twins, this has actually been one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. Joe Smith wound up entering into the week, having not given up an earned run all season. We're starting to see a little bit of regression there, and that is to be expected, but even with him starting to regress, you've still got Danny Columbia who's now off the injured list. He's got a sub-2 ERA. Trevor McGill has been very good in long relief for this team as well. Yuan Duran has right around a 240 ERA and for the Twins. They have been dealing with Byron Buxton being both banged up, and just in general, not being able to get on base. That has been a little bit of an issue for this team, but you do wind up bringing back Trevor Larnich. He's got a 365 on base. He wound up going deep. Yesterday, Carlos Correa is off the injured list. He's hitting nearly a 290. Luis Arise hitting above a 350. Has been very beneficial for this team. And even Kylo. Kyle Garlick has been able to do a nice job hitting right around 280. Joe Urshela and Nick Gordon, both of these guys hitting right around 260 as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, MJ Melendez, who has been filling in for Salvador Perez, has actually been able to do a very solid job for the team. He's got right around a 230 batting average. He's went deep four times in a limited amount of at-bats, but you do take a look at Salvador Perez. He's now back in the fold for the team. Wound up getting a hit in his first time back yesterday, so that is going to be big because they need him to pick it up with regards to his batting average in general. That's hovering right around 207. He, Nicky Lopez, along Carlos Santana, all inning below a 215. Whit Merrifield, over the last three days, he's been really being able to pick it up. He had a cataclysmically bad start to the season, but you take a look at the way that he's running into form, you have to be very encouraged. Whereas he's hitting, actually, if you take a look at the last 15 days, above a 300 in that time span. Bobby Wood Jr. has not necessarily been able to find it, though, so I do take a look at the spot, and I do think that the Minnesota Twins should be able to do a solid job, but be able to get to Zach Granke. Granke, not going to give out free passes, but he's certainly going to give up a lot of contact, and I do think that this is a spot in which both of these starters are going to be able to do a solid job, but I do have a lot more faith here in the Minnesota Twins bullpen. I do think that the Twins are going to be able to really rock a bad Royals bullpen that we wound up seeing last Sunday give up a six-run lead in the final two innings. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Twins on the run line in this spot, be able to reduce the juice, take a plus 115 on that run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 973, 974 on the bang board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing those to the Walker, Texas Rangers. Dane Gitterdunning is going to look to get her done. 
for the Rangers. And you got James Caprillion, who's going to be on the bump for Oakland. Oakland find themselves pretty much in a pick'em game here. You're finding them anywhere between even and minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rangers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 104 and minus 110. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 110. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. Seeing a straight 7 out there with that 7 having over juice of minus 120 and the under at even. And when it comes to the Oakland A's, I did wind up saying them as a favorite of a minus 112. So I'm going to be willing to ride with Oakland. Wound up having a really rough go of it in their game yesterday against the Texas Rangers. And we're really starting to see this Oakland A's bullpen regress. You were figuring at some point it was going to wind up happening as they wound up entering into the series in the top six. With regards to bullpen ERA, they have given up, I think, 12 runs out of the bullpen or last two games. With regards to this bullpen, I think that it's going to be a little bit better in this spot because despite the fact that you've had the couple bad days for this bullpen, you still have A.J. Puck, Sam Mall, Danny Jimenez, so rocking sub-2 ERA. Zach Jackson has been able to do a solid job along Domingo Acevedo. Both of these guys, sub-350 ERA. So these guys have been relatively solid. And for the Texas Rangers, this has been legitimately one of the best bullpens in the big league since having a rough first two weeks of the season. Joe Barlow along with Brock Burke have sub-2 ERAs. You've been able to get some good production on Matt Moore. I'm wondering when he's going to start to regress, but this is someone that has been giving you right around a two-ish ERA. John King has been able to do a very solid job as well. And Marcus Simeon, with regards to the offense, he finally got a home run, ladies and gentlemen. Still hitting a buck 94, but certainly finally was able to get that first home run. Still not necessarily going well for him as he, Andy Abanez, Eli White, they're all hitting below a220, and then you've got Adolis Garcia sitting right around a230. Corey Seager, he's been able to hit about a 240. He wound up going deep yesterday as well, ninth home run season. And for the Oakland A's right now, the big bugaboo of this team is that you just don't have guys getting on base in general. Luis Barrera is the only guy that has been able to give you north of 50 at bats this season. That's hitting above a 260. He's hitting right around 300. Jeff Bender's been able to hit right around 260. Ramon Laureano finally got his first home run season, but Laureano along with Sean Murphy, Seth Bar- Brown, Kevin Smith, Christian Pache, all these guys are in at 215 or lower, so that's a big giant issue with regards to Oakland A's team. The A's are in the bottom five with regards to uh, home runs in total, but I did take a look at the Sexes Rangers bunch, and I think that they might have a little bit of a tough time getting into James Caprillion. Caprillion's first start of the season certainly was not great, wound up giving up four runs in two innings against the Cleveland Guardians. Ever since then, has been able to rein it in a little bit more, especially at home in that last home start against the Minnesota Twins. Gave up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, and has given up two runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts. You go back to what he was able to do during the 2021 season, and he was able to do a very solid job at home. He wound up posting up a 328 home ERA over the course of 11 starts, so I do think that he's going to be able to get a little bit more back into that form. And for Dane Dunning, this has always been a guy that has struggled a little bit more on the road than he has been at home. 506 road ERA thus far this season, and you go back to 2021 where at a 309 home ERA, a 639 road ERA, you figure that you'd be able to do a little bit better on the road this season. Thus far, that has been the case, but still, even with that, he has been giving up just a couple too many free passes. He's given up right in the pocket of about 3.3 walks per nine innings. That includes home and road splits and opponents hitting a 282 off of him on the road. So this is a situation which I'm going to be taking a look at the Oakland A's. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 112 with them. Do you mind saying this little at a 7.2? I do think that Dunning is going to be able to get her Dunning out there on the mound. I do think that both of these bullpens are going to be a lock-in after we've seen a couple high-scoring games in the series. So looking at a 7.5 under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Oakland as we go to 975, 976 on the main board. 
where the Toronto Blue Jays hit the road face off against the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Angels, and Jose Barrios is going to be going for Toronto. 8.5 is your total. The over and the under are both at minus 110, and with the Angels, you're finding them anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The Blue Jays are as bad as minus 110. You're going to be able to find them as good as about a plus 105, and when it comes to the Angels, I do mind up saying them as a minus 128 favorite. Been very impressed by Patrick Sandoval this season, and even last year, where he didn't wind up getting a lot of wins, but he wound up posting up a very solid ERA. He wound up really being able to come into his own that season, and he's just been able to continue it this year. Has yet to give up a home run in 40 in a third inning, so the walks are a little bit of an issue, right around 3.6 walks per nine innings, but has certainly been able to do a good job of being able to induce soft contact, has been able to do a good job of being able to get some swings and misses as well, right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, buck 50 ERA in his four home starts thus far the season with opponents hitting just a buck 86 off of him and Jose Barrios has always had an ERA that's been right around a point higher on the road than it has been at home and that's really been manifesting itself this season. 593 ERA on the road compared to a 315 ERA at home and he's given up five home runs over the course of 27 and a third innings on the road this season with opponents hitting at 296 off of him. The swing and miss stuff is just down in general as well. He's getting only about seven strikeouts per nine innings now. Take a look at the Blue Jays and yeah I think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression with the way that this team is sitting with Ben in scoring position. This has been a team that has been in the bottom three in the big leagues with regards to batting average with Ben in scoring position and Fly Guerrero Jr. Not going to continue to hit right around a 255 with a home run every right around 20 or so at bats. He is going to be able to pick it up at some point. Danny Jansen has done a nice job of being able to get on base for this team. Hitting right around 324. George Springer wound up getting the day off yesterday, but got to figure that he'll probably be back in this game today. He's been able to hit right around 270. He's been able to go deep nine times. Santiago Spendel is sitting at 275 for this team. And Teoscar Hernandez hitting a buck 57. That's a massive outlier. He's going to be able to pick it up as well, but you do take a look at the Angels and Shoy Otani back in the starting lineup yesterday. He, Jared Walsh, Mike Trout. Between the three of them, a combined 31 home runs entering into Saturday. Trout, north of a 400 on base. Walsh and Otani both hitting right in that pocket about a 250 along with Matt Duffy as well. Taylor Ward has been a little bit banged up whenever he's been out there. That's been a little bit better for the team, but even Luis Randifo, he's been able to right around 290 now with the Angels and the Blue Jays. Both of these teams right around 20th in the league with regards to bullpen ERA. It's been guys like Trevor Richards and Yimi Garcia that have been rough for the Blue Jays. Julian Merriweather running for he's been out there has been not necessarily so great, though. Adam Simber has been able to give you some good innings along Jordan Romano, and then you take a look at the Angels. Aaron Loop has been able to deliver right Right around a three-ish ERA. Ryan Tapera's had his ups and downs this year, along with Rossi Iglesias, but both of these guys still relatively solid. And then you take a look at Oliver Ortega. He's been having himself a sub-two ERA, so that is something that is helping out the Angels as well. I just really do not have a lot of faith in Mr. Jose Barrios on the road. I think that he's going to be a little bit better than he's shown for the beginning part of the season, both the Blue Jays. At some point, the offense is going to be able to bust out. I don't think that it's going to be in this game against Patrick Sandoval. Did wind up saying my total at 7.4, looking under and looking angry. Angels, 977, 978 on the banking board. The Houston Astros. They throw it. They're going to be facing off against the Seattle Mariners. One of Monaco Gonzalez is going to be going for Seattle. And Luis Garcia is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston's anywhere between a minus 139 and minus 145 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Seattle, it's anywhere between plus 120 and plus 134 with 8 being your total. Under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. And with Seattle, I did wind up saying them at a plus 144. So here at the minus 140-ish range, I'm going to be willing to lay it with Houston. Pretty much once we wind up getting up to a minus 143, minus 144, that is going to be the max that I'm willing to lay. But with Luis Garcia, last year he had some pretty demonstrative home and road splits. Has been significantly better 
on the road this season. You just take a look at Luis Garcia, home and road this season. He has been giving up a little bit too much hard contact, right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings. But on the road this season, in four starts, 237 ERA. Opponents starting just a 233 off of him. He's been able to get a strikeout per inning on the road as well. Does need to rein it in a little bit more with regards to those walks. As his walks per nine rate overall is right around a three-ish, but he's been able to get the job done. And then for Marco Gonzalez, I talk about the hard contact that Garcia is giving up. He's given up right around 1.8 home runs. Per nine innings says he's been giving up a lot of solo shots, 374 ERA overall despite the home run issues, but opponents are hitting a 283 off of him. Swing and miss has just not been there for him this year, right around six punch outs per nine innings. And now he has to go up against the Houston Astros lineup that they don't swing and miss too much to start with. And when it comes to the Astros, got a lot of guys that are able to get on base for the team. Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley entering into Saturday, both hitting between a 280 and a 285 yard on Alvarez, right around 350 on base. 12 home runs for him. Kyle Tucker, 8 home runs, 9 stolen bases, a solid on base percentage. Jeremy Pena, he's been able to hit a 300 for this team, so got a lot of guys doing some solid work, and you got to figure that Alex Bregman is hitting a 230 along the Uri Uriel, that both of these guys are going to be able to pick it up. And for the Seattle Mariners, got a couple guys do a very good job of being able to reach base for this team. Julio Rodriguez, now hitting a 265 while leading the league with 13 stolen bases. He has been tremendous. Ty France, 340 batting average with 32 RBI. He's been able to come to the forefront. And Eugenio Suarez, right now the big power hitter for the team. He, Jesse Winker, both have right around a 310 on base with Suarez. He's been able to give you nine home runs. You've got Kyle Lewis now back full as well. But what has really been an issue for the Seattle Mariners has been the bullpen. Penn Murphy has actually been one of your best relievers along Sergio Romo, but Anthony Michevich along Drew Steckenrider. Both of these guys north of a 4-5 ERA. Diego Castillo has been a disaster with a north of an 80 ERA. The Houston Astros entered into Saturday number one with regards to bullpen ERA. I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression for this. Rafael Montero just cannot keep up a right around 0.50-ish ERA, but that said, I really like what I've seen out of so many of these other guys, like Brian Ray is out giving you a 325 ERA. Brian Presley is off the injured list. He's been able to run some good innings. Hector Neres has right around a 220 ERA. Heck, even Seth Martinez in long relief. He's been able to do a good job as well, so I do take a look at the Astros. I do think that the pitching going to be very solid for them in this spot. I think that we went a little bit too low with regards to the subtle. I do think that with having Garcia and Gonzalez giving up the deep ball a little bit, that we should be able to see a couple balls go yard, especially with this being a daytime game out there in Seattle. Ballpark plays differently during the nighttime where the ball just sort of dies at the warning track. So, semi-total on 8.2. I'm looking over and with the Astros, one delay the minus 140 with them. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox is going to be playing us to the Chicago Cubs. Marcus Roman is going to be going for the Cubs and Dylan Cease and Disease going to be going for the White Sox. The White Sox are finding themselves as a pretty good favorite here. Anywhere between minus 161 and minus 170 plus price on the Cubs is anywhere between plus 145 and plus 152. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 7.5. Overs minus 120 and the under is even on the 8. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And when it comes to the White Sox, did wind up saying them at a minus 172 on the money line. If you're looking at this run line, you're finding it anywhere between about a plus 120 to a plus 125. Anything north of a plus 110, I was willing to take a shot. I'm going to like to reduce the juice, and I'm going to be taking a look at this run line with Stroman. He's looked a little bit better recently. He's given up a combined four earned runs in his last three starts, and for that matter, six earned runs in his last four starts. So, has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort, has been doing a nice job of being able to contain himself with regards to walks as well. Three walks in those last four starts overall for the season. Has given up five home runs in 36 and a third innings. You'd like to see their contact be down a little bit more, but he's been able to get a little bit more swing and miss. And has actually been much better on the road than at home. 368 road ERA, 628 home ERA. He's been starting when the wind's been blowing out a little bit at Wrigley, but certainly a guy that has been able to hold down the fourth there. But 
but you do take a look at this Cubs team, and the big thing with the Cubs is that their bullpen ERA up until about 10 or so days ago was one of the best out there in the National League. All of a sudden, these guys are starting to trip over their shoes or starting to not necessarily have such great performances. Rowan Wick, Scott Efres, both of these guys have seen their ERAs nearly double over the last week or so. Wick now has a 265 ERA. Efres, Morandi, 320 ERA. Chris Martin, he's now rocking a four-ish ERA. Daniel Norris just has never really been too trustworthy for this team. He and Robbie Gazelman both have an ERA that is north of a 475. So, got some issues there. And then you take a look at the Chicago White Sox. And as the Cubs bullpen is starting to regress, they're starting to progress. Matt Foster, sub-3 ERA. Liam Hendricks, along with Kendall Graveman, they're a great 8th and ninth inning duo. I would consider them an 8th and ninth inning duo that it's one of the top 5 out there in the big leagues. Hendricks has been a little bit shaky this year, but he's starting to pick it up a little bit more as well. Jose Ruiz has had a little bit of a rough year, but by and large, I do think that the White Sox shouldn't need to go to that bullpen too much because with Dylan Cease, this guy is able to just give you a bunch of swings and misses. I mean, he is right now registering right around 13.6 strikeouts. Burn eye and NXT has been able to do a tremendous job with that regard and did wind up getting lit up a few times at home against the Yankees and the Red Sox, but by and large has been able to do a solid job throughout his career at home last year. He wound up having a ERA of right around a 318 at home, more like a 480 on the road. Thus far this season, it's been reversed because of those two bad outings, but I do think that he is going to be able to pick it up and you take a look at this Cubs lineup and it certainly has been a little bit of an issue with regards to some power for this team. You do have Wilson Contreras who's back out there in the fold. That is going to be very big for them as he, Ian App, have both been able to give you north of a 380 on base. So Christopher Morrell has been hitting above a 300. He's been able to do a solid job. Patrick Wisdom, he has been able to go deep a double-digit amount of times, but problem with him is that he's striking out in over 42% of his at-bats. You've got he, Frank Schwindel, Alfonso Rivas, along with Rafael Ortega and Andrew Alton Simmons, only between about a 220 to a 235. And then for the White Sox, it has been a case in which Eloy Jimenez being on the fold has hurt them a little bit, but Andrew Vaughn hitting just below 300. Tim Anderson sitting above a 350 right now. What you do have to factor in with the White Sox is errors. They wound up having another one yesterday from A.J. Pollock, who he's been struggling. A.J. Pollock, you're able to throw in there Jake Berger, Adam Engel, Gavin Sheets, he has Monty Grandall, list goes on and on of guys. They're in a 235 or lower. Jose Abreu has been up and down. He's starting to pick it up a little bit more, and I do think that this is a White Sox lineup that they're going to start to be able to rein it in just a little bit more. They do a better job against lefties against righties. Against lefties, their batting average righties is by about 25 to 30 points. This is a righty in Marcus Stroman, but I still do think that they are going to be able to get to him. This is a situation which I am going to be one to take the White Sox on the run line, as I do think that Dylan Cease is going to be able to get a lot of swings and misses against a little bit of a young Cubs lineup, so we're going to be looking there, and I do wind up saying my total is 7.4. I think that the White Sox might have a little bit of a tough time with Stroman, but then be able to get to the bullpen. So looking run line and looking at the 7.5-8 under, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to Ryan Rossine of the Philadelphia CityCast for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this five podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to further send. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore one Keep in mind, letters M. They mean it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm going to be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have you 
heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.